my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Math & Magic, a production of iHeartRadio. Anytime I was with my father at work gatherings, of any sort that we, the family, were invited to. Um, what stood out for me more was that he managed to know every person's name in the room and knew them personally and related to them in that way. And I think for me, that was more what was the role model in terms of just how he carried himself, the relationships that he built, and then his belief that he would always talk to me about is, you know, Elizabeth, please just walk in someone else's shoes for a bit when you're meeting someone new, when you're in a situation that you're nervous or uncomfortable, just put yourself in the other person's shoes for a second. Imagine what they're thinking, what they're doing. 
uh, what they did just before this meeting, who they are, what they're about, what they care about, what they're passionate about. It's those kinds of things, Bob, that I remember more than any of his corporate life or lessons that I might have learned that way. Hi, I'm Bob Pittman, and welcome to another recorded from home COVID episode of Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. Today, we have someone who spent most of her career at one company and has made her way to the top with a string of visible successes in her trail. She listens well, loves the consumer, and is a great protector and builder of her brand. She's Elizabeth Rutledge, CMO of American Express. Elizabeth grew up outside New York in Rye, Princeton undergrad, NYU for her MBA, wanted to be a doctor, but made her way to marketing with a short stop as a ninth grade biology teacher. She professes to be an introvert and uses that as a special skill. And she has an interesting take on mentoring. She has been an Adweek brand genius in 2009. And again, in 2012, her team won American Express's Chairman's Award for Innovation. That's the highest award for Amex's employees. And she is a big foodie. Elizabeth, welcome. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm surviving this. Hope you are too. I am. I am. Long days and nights on a video conference. Uh, I know it. I know. Well, thank goodness we don't have video here. We have the luxury of just having voice. Before we dig into the meaty stuff, which I want to get into, I'd like to do a little feature we do, which is you in 60 seconds. Ready? Yeah, ready. Do you prefer sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Early riser or night owl? Both. Rye or New York City? New York City. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Call or text? Text. Coffee or tea? Coffee, 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 and more coffee. Cats or dogs? Cats. Biking or running? Running. Smartest person you know? My father. Favorite food? Pizza. Childhood hero? I think it was my dad. First job? Selling shoes. Last book you read? Oh, The Cast. Favorite way to relax? Pilates. Something you can't live without? Coffee, coffee, coffee. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm picking up a theme here. Favorite city? Santa Fe. Final question. Guilty pleasure? Ice cream. I thought you were going to say coffee again, but thank goodness we got something else here. So, uh, Elizabeth, let's dive in now. A few years ago, we sat together for dinner and you talked about being an introvert. And I was struck that it seemed to be a core part of your identity. In doing our research for this episode, it sounds like this is something that you at one point tried to overcome, but now you use it to your advantage. Can you elaborate? Sure. I remember that dinner. It was a fun night, Bob. And you're right. When I walk into a place where I don't know anybody, and actually I believe that night when I sat next to you at dinner, I didn't know very many other people. So it was great to see a familiar face at the dinner table. I need to work hard on it. I often get exhausted when I'm in a big crowd. I like much more to have one-on-one. I prefer in those crowd situations, again, to seek out somebody and have a great in-depth conversation. But I've learned that that's not always practical and that there are times when you need to stand stand up, stand out. 
and also, you know, have a point of view and ferociously defend it when needed. I've learned that that's important to me personally, as well as as I'm leading a large team through transformation, through both great times and, and difficult times. It's been something that I've worked on very hard over time, Bob. And so have you been able to, because I, I know you've talked to some about using it as a skill which helps you in your job and in your profession. How do you use that part of your existence to help be a better manager and a better executive? In a couple of ways. And I'll start first with having to think long and hard and get prepared um, for meetings ahead of time. So that's one thing that I think has come from just being an introvert. And why do that? Because it then gives me the time, the space to think ahead of time, form a point of view, and then be able to really defend it or, or state it in a meeting. The second thing that I think because of my own introverted nature, I'm cognizant of other people in the room and try to draw them out, particularly when they haven't said anything, they haven't articulated what they feel. And the way to draw them out is you know, to have the conversation, build the relationship, build the trust. And when you build that trust and you form that sort of two-way relationship, it ends up creating great collaboration kind of at the end of the day. So I think I've worked hard on it myself as we've been talking about, but also recognizing it in others. And that should be my role now to help others along so that they can express their opinions and we can work well together. You have made your mark as someone who builds your marketing around the consumer in an obsessive way. But I want to start with an insight you got from your research that seems to be front and center in this COVID-restricted world. That data showed that Americans are no longer dividing their work and leisure time as neatly as they once did. In fact, I think it was 60% saying their personal and professional lives are intertwined. It reminds me of a cartoon I recently saw. Uh, there was a guy at a desk. Someone was at the door frame, and he was asking them, I can't remember, do I work at home or do I live at work? Uh, which struck me as a truth we're all experiencing. Whatever you uncovered seems to have accelerated in the last six months. Can you tell us how that insight changed your marketing and just as important, how COVID has changed it even more? What a great question, Bob. And as I reflect back, you know, it was three or four years ago when we refreshed and relaunched our brand and our brand platform, you know, the powerful backing of American Express, don't do business, don't live life without it. And just in those words is a reflection, I think, of the hybrid life that um, we are all leading. And it's certainly through COVID that hybridness has been accelerated uh, through this recent pandemic. But three or four years ago, in particular, we were very focused around kind of the seamless nature of life. And again, as you pointed out, that's happening even more now. But I think it was also about the sort of evolution of life and work and what we were finding is, you know, people were not loyal to sort of one job. Many people have side hustles. And at that point, three years ago, Bob, I was saying, you know, mark my words, we'll look back at this time and we're going to see dramatic shifts in terms of how people work, how people live and what they need in terms of sort of tools and services. And we as American Express need to be right there for them. I never would imagine three years ago when we were talking about hybrid life that we would be all living it to the <laughs> nth degree that we are, you know, now. And now more than ever, it's going to be important to have the right tools 
this is a great topic and I want to dig in deeper. But at first, I'd like to go back to your origin story back in time. You grew up in the northern New York City suburb of Rye. Can you tell me about your parents, what they did for a living, and uh, how they impacted your life? My whole life revolved around school and sports. My mom was a teacher. My father grew up in the phone company, what was New York Telephone at the time. His last job there was head of human resources. I spent a lot of time outdoors. I played lacrosse, did a lot of running, and just cared a lot about my schoolwork in particular. I had a love of biology and science. That's what it was all about back then. So your dad was in a big corporation, big corporate job, New York uh, Telephone, then 9X, which is Verizon today, for those who don't know. Do you think having a dad who navigated a big corporation day-to-day gave you some of the comfort zone you clearly have at a big corporation like Amex? Absolutely, Bob. We were very close. My father's since passed away. He's not been with us for over 15 years now. Just a, a gentle giant and inspired me, I think, every day. And I don't know so much in terms of if I thought back then about it from a corporate career or a big company career. That was not what was inspiring. Anytime I was with my father at work gatherings of any sort that we, the family, were invited to, um, what stood out for me more was that he managed to know every person's name in the room and knew them personally and related to them in that way. And I think for me, that was more what was the role model in terms of just how he carried himself, the relationships that he built, and then his belief that he would always talk to me about is, you know, Elizabeth, please just walk in someone else's shoes for a bit. When you're meeting someone new, when you're in a situation that you're nervous or uncomfortable, just put yourself in the other person's shoes for a second. Imagine what they're thinking, what they're doing, uh, what they did just before this meeting, who they are, what they're about, what they care about, what they're passionate about. It's those kinds of things, Bob, that I remember more than any of his corporate life or lessons that I might have learned that way. You know, it's interesting. It sounds like he's gave you some great, uh, a great role model and some great advice about navigating a corporation through empathy. Absolutely. That you've um, captured my dad in one word. So you were clearly in the smart kid category. You went to Princeton. Uh, graduated with a BA in English and a focus on pre-med. What happened? Why aren't you a doctor? (laughs) Oh, boy. Some days I still ask myself that question, Bob. Here's what happened. Uh, When I first got out of college, I did uh, research at a New York hospital for a cardiothoracic surgeon. And, you know, just to set the time frame, we're talking about the early 80s. There weren't very many females who were cardiothoracic surgeons at the time. And certainly I couldn't have picked a more intense specialty in terms of literally watching a lot of of life and also um, some death. And so when I put it all together through that lens, through that view, it didn't seem doable, approachable, and it seemed like a long career path to get to be that surgeon. And so when I decided that wasn't for me because of both the environment the stress, and I don't think seeing exactly the the role models that I needed to see at the time, there weren't very many other, as I said before, females. 
I made the decision to go teach, and I taught for two years in the city, mainly taught biology, and what a fabulous experience. And I could spend the rest of the time talking to you about all the lessons that I learned in those two years. That was my first exposure experience in terms of certainly having to stand up in front of an audience and make sure you're capturing the attention and the imaginations of ninth graders. I always think whenever I'm in a presentation now, if I can do what I had to do back then in terms of ninth graders, I got this. But it was a a really exciting time for me in terms of learning a lot about myself. The sort of passion and love for teaching others was sort of, you know, born in those moments. And I I think the reason then you're probably going to ask in terms of, well, how did you get to marketing? What I found is I had to make more money than I was making in order to, you know, make ends meet at the time. And so I took some summer jobs along the way in advertising and marketing. And when the offers came for full-time jobs, I took the chance, not really knowing a lot about marketing or advertising, but learning along the way. And then I've kind of never looked back from those moments. Do you think you still, as a manager, wind up teaching? Absolutely. I grew up, as I told you, with a mom who was a teacher. Her mom was a teacher as well. My father, as I described to you, was a teacher in so many ways as well. And yes, that's what I gravitate to. And I feel particularly now, Bob, in the role I'm in now, that it's important for me not only to be the the teacher, but also to be ambitious for others and to draw them out and to help them along in their career path and their career journey. And I do spend a lot of time mentoring and helping others both in and outside of the company as they think about what they want to do, where they want to be. And what I will tell you, as much as I'm a teacher, I'm also the student. And I truly mean that. I think you have to be curious. You have to be asking questions all the time. And I'm often seeking out no matter where that person is from, what experience they've had, I'm just seeking out the person that has the knowledge, the expertise, given our industry is so rapidly changing and evolving. So let's make the move to American Express. You, you had a brief stop at 9X, now Verizon, and then you began at American Express. Did you plan on a career at American Express? How did you get there? I got there through a reference from a friend And I was very excited to be a part of American Express, iconic brand, a global brand, uh, one known back then for its marketing prowess and expertise. And so I was excited to be a part of this company and to have the opportunity actually to think about both uh, consumers and businesses and also have the opportunity to travel and to learn and understand about different markets for someone who had really grown up and spent most of her time here in the, in the U.S. But I never expected to be here as long as I have. But here's why I've been here this long. The challenges have always been there for me, the opportunities, the ability to understand different customer segments. I've not always been in marketing. I've been in uh, business development. I've been in partner negotiations. I've been in product development. There's just a tremendous amount of opportunity, both from a segment and a functional perspective. And also uh, what has really kept me here is the people. Just an amazing, inspiring group of people. The culture is all about the people and the relationships. They're very special. And I've had just tremendous mentors, supporters, leaders along the way who've pushed me, helped me grow. 
it's just been a fabulous experience. And I truly mean that. I really, really mean that. I suspect that there's something in the culture there. I, I had my stint with American Express when they owned MTV. And I had Jim Robinson is still a friend and was mentor. Lou Gershner was there at the time, a lady named Sandra Meyer, who has passed away sadly many years ago. Every time I encountered them, they tried to teach me something. They taught me about fighting brands. They taught me about halo effects. They taught me the stuff that was sort of an MBA. And I don't, do you think it's in the culture or was I just at that moment and got it and you were at that moment and got it? Oh, it's definitely in our DNA. And here's how I'm going to relate it to sort of what's happening now. No, we've not talked much about COVID and the pandemic, but the focus certainly is always on, you know, our customers and putting our customers first. But it also has been about putting our colleagues first. And, you know, we actually call our employees colleagues. And I think that actually just, Bob, in and of itself tells you a bit about uh, the learning culture, the development and sort of training culture. And we're just very focused on just ensuring from the day you step into the either the physical or the virtual rooms of American Express that you're part of a team. We win as a team and it's been a big focus for us as we've kind of transitioned through COVID. And in these early days that we all experienced back in February and March, our focus was on protecting the health and the safety of our colleagues, you know, getting 60,000 plus colleagues to sort of work at home. You can only imagine what it took and the energy and the passion for us to be able to do that in order for us to kind of serve our customers and protect the brand. I've been here for a really long time. It's just really a part of kind of who we are. And it's expressed through the colleagues, but just also how we treat our customers every single day. It's all about that backing promise that I talked about earlier. So I brought up the American Express piece of MTV for a reason I wanted to get into. I want to dig a little bit into your thinking and philosophy as a marketer. And we've talked about short consumer attention spans in the past. I know you've talked a lot about it. And ironically, Amex probably had some hand in causing that. Again, not sure most people know that MTV was half owned by American Express. And MTV probably was, if not caused, it was accused of causing the short attention span. And here we are 40 years after the launch of MTV, and you're building some of your key marketing around this notion of short attention spans. Talk to me a little bit about how you see the short attention span and how you use it. Maybe any examples you've got. So, look, I think where we are in the world right now, it's often said, and I know you've heard this said this, it's a six-second moment or it's a, a flip of a hand on a screen in terms of the moment that you have to speak to your customers. But I think about it this way. We, American Express, are in this for the long haul. It's about building relationships over time. It's about reciprocal relationships, you know, meaning that there's a give and take, that there's a trust built. And they're built in small moments and they're built in big moments. And that's what we are doing. And I hear you in terms of the short attention spans and you need to sort of look at from a marketer perspective to make sure that you have the right message in the right channel at the right time. But to me, it's really being there in those small moments that happen and to make sure that we're front and center. We had at the beginning of COVID a 12-day sprint to stand up a site that we call Stand for Small. 
And it's really all about something that's near and dear to my heart in terms of what small businesses are needing right now, you know, given what's happening with the pandemic and needing our support, needing resources to help them drive customers to their establishments, whether that's, you know, online or physically. And I point that out when you ask an example of kind of short attention span and short time, because for us to do a 12-day sprint like that and make something happen, it's really important because people needed it in the moment. You can't wait to launch and have a big product launch like we used to do in terms of a three-month timetable. And I think that that's part of what's sort of changed, how to deliver something meaningful and real in the moment. And that Stand for Small, I think, is just a great example. So, so many things have had to change or accelerate trends that were already happening. And we're just working in a very agile environment. Uh, You hear that term all the time, but we're applying it in terms of the way actually we execute our campaigns. I've really been a proponent and a champion of this agile methodology from a marketing perspective, Bob. Uh, No more than seven, eight people that can gather around a pizza to sort of execute a campaign, real time, real moments in these short sprints. The collaboration is stronger. The colleague or employee satisfaction is greater. And we're seeing much stronger business results, you know, as the result of the way we're operating. And so I think life is sped up. (laughs) Well, we have seen, and and obviously we do business together and we've seen it up close and personal, that you are very nimble, very agile, that you do look at what's going on and respond surprisingly fast for a company the size of American Express. Let me flip to the next piece of it. You call the consumer American Express's North Star. What practical implications does that have for your marketing? First of all, it's all driven by customer insights, you know, customer needs. And when you put that at the center of everything, that's how you create our, uh, our great customer servicing experiences it's all the things that I've been talking about in terms of the changes that we have needed to make based on sort of our customer needs. We've really pivoted in terms of making sure that we've given financial assistance to customers that need it during the pandemic. Those evolved card member benefits that are based off of customer needs in the moment, again, whether it was you know, wireless credits or food delivery offers, we talked a little bit about the new automated B2B payment solutions. You can hear in everything that I'm sharing and saying that it's all about just the customer kind of at the center of it. It's also in terms of things that you may not see or understand in the moment, but to me, it's just important in terms of how we're talking to our customers, that we're talking to them, to them in real and simple and straightforward language, that we create experiences that are frictionless, that are easy, that are driving value You've seen and heard and been a part of a lot of our work as it relates to uh, small businesses. You know, they've been hit so hard during this pandemic. We're just incredibly focused on supporting them and making sure that we can help our communities and drive spend to those small businesses. And to me, it's just always being one step ahead of the customer, having that insight, making sure that experience is easy, seamless, and our mission is all about the best customer experience, you know, every single day. And when a company is run that way, we're going to be creating and delivering uh, great products and services to serve our communities. So let me ask you a question, not just about American Express, but marketing in general. Do you think the data scientist 
has now moved into the marketing team as a core member? Absolutely. Period. <laughs> End of conversation. How do you use your data scientist in a different way than you used your research department in the old days? So I think for me, it's very clearly to drive just our marketing plans. This has been an evolution sort of over time. So one, and we've been talking about this already, certainly want to be ahead of the trends or on trend in terms of what our customers are telling us and making sure we're there to create those products and services. And we've been talking a lot about that. And I talked about just operating in those short-term sprints and the data scientist is so crucial to our ability to be nimble in terms of sort of spotting those trends and being able to be agile in terms of either uh, changing your media choices, changing your creative messaging and imagery choices, and just working hard on getting much more personalized in terms of what we would deliver to you, Bob, versus what we might deliver to somebody else that would be meaningful. And the sort of, sort of the shorter sprints to learn. And those data scientists are so important in terms of making the whole ecosystem work in a faster, more effective way. More on math and magic right after this quick break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, 
which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Math & Magic. Let's hear more from my conversation with Elizabeth Rutledge. So let's talk a little bit about marketing technique. I've heard you talk in the past. I've read some of what you've talked about is you focus a lot on word of mouth. What do you think it is? How do you use it? Look, word of mouth has been around uh, since the beginning of time, right? <laughs> Cavemen, I think, did word of mouth. There's, there's a great rock out there. <laughs> but this is what's so special about uh, our brand, American Express. And what we found is it's just about those personal recommendations. And you know that, I know that. I mean, this is sort of pretty straightforward. But what we found is that is a very powerful voice, the person that you care or trust the most. And, you know, we have a program we call Member Get Member, and I think it's just a formalized name for that word of mouth. And we've seen that program and the responses to that program grow dramatically. And so we've worked hard to sort of digitize that program, Bob, and again, seen sort of tremendous growth in the, the, the double digits in terms of where we're sourcing our new customers from. And it makes complete sense to me in terms of hearing from someone I trust and talk about American Express and the benefits, the products, the services in a real and tangible way. And so we're finding that formalizing that type of program has been incredibly helpful, resourceful for us. And it makes sense in terms of a, a great product begets, you know, sort of great recos and it's working well for us. You're talking about the word of mouth and the people who like the product as sort of an extension of American Express to help with your marketing. How do you think about it, too, in terms of building brand? And I say that because in my days at MTV or AOL, when I've had those products where we became, quote unquote, the thing, I always attribute it to word of mouth that I don't I think all the advertising, everything we do does nothing but prime the pump for word of mouth. But word of mouth is the only thing that will make you the thing. American Express is the thing for many people, many ways. When I got my first American Express card in the 70s, I thought I had arrived. How do you think about word of mouth in terms of your brand building, too? When you say that and you ask me that question, 
you know, I, I would still go back uh, certainly to the member get member program, but I also think about it. And I think you were referencing this in terms of also talking about just the incredible experiences that we have created over time. And those experiences, maybe you'd be surprised in terms of the breadth and depth of which I'm going to describe the experiences. And it's back again to what we were talking about in terms of those big moments and those little moments. So it might be you know, being able to get you front row seats to a concert. And certainly um, we're probably all craving wanting to be able to go back to uh, some of those moments um, in time. And I know that they will come back. I'm confident that they will come back. You know, and some of those are sort of one time or incredibly special moments, whether, you know, it be getting to go to Coachella, something top of mind for me more recently is just, you know, getting to experience the U.S. Tennis Open. And some of those are incredibly special in terms of, what we can do for customers. And therefore, that is a special moment because usually in all of those events, you're bringing a family member or a friend. And it's certainly something that's going to be with you long after that moment and, and talk about brand building. But I also talk about those moments where you may get a text from us in terms of a charge that appeared that is not a charge that you made on your American Express card. And our ability to be able to seamlessly do that in a channel of your choice and our ability to resolve it quickly, have you know that we have your back in that moment, is another brand building experience and moment um, that I like to call out because it's that sort of relief like, oh, they've got my back. They figured it out. They're on top of it. They're watching out for me. It's those kind of moments that are so important as well. I mentioned that I got my first American Express card in the mid-70s. At that time, it was very exclusive. It was very rarefied. It was a tad snobby, but it was a real status symbol. I had arrived. How has American Express been able to expand its base so much, yet still hang on to that specialness feeling about the card? It may not be snobby anymore, but I think you still feel like your American Express card's that special card for you, too. How have you done that? So a couple of things that I would comment on, and it's going to be building on what we've talked about already. Our brand is special. And I think at the core of what makes it special from, you know, 170 years ago to today is it's all about the service. It's all about the security. It's all about the trust. And those are three core principles that stand the test of time. And um, I think are incredibly important to what our brand is about and also the people that want to be, you know, with us um, in this American Express community. For me, that's the specialness and the care with which, you know, we take care of our customers. And it's been important for us to just make sure that we are an inclusive brand and that we have a breadth and depth of products and services. And I think that that's how we have evolved and expanded over time. For me, it's been the growth, the depth and breadth of our portfolio, but our um, commitment 170 years later to that same excellent service standard, that security, that trust. I'm going to leave American Express for a moment, although I'm sure you're going to answer some of these questions through that prism. But just as a marketer, someone with a very broad view of what's going on, in this COVID period, what will Black Friday and Cyber Monday be this year? Oh, interesting question. 
the way I think about that is that I'm going to go back to sort of my personal roots in terms of shopping small and caring about the local community. And that's been core to who I am in terms of um, just how important kind of um, the neighborhood and uh, the community is. And so when you ask me about what those moments are going to look like in time, I hope that they are really focused on helping our small businesses. I luckily have a platform here to tell others about it. They are suffering. Many of them will not be um, in business anymore. And my hope is that we can support our, our local communities, support those entrepreneurs, their spirit to be advocates for them, you know, their amazing spirit that got them to the place that, that they are in terms of opening, caring, and nurturing their businesses. They need our help now. And that's what I hope those two days and the moments around them can be more about, supporting the local community. Well, we've done, I think, some of the best work at iHeart with American Express on Small Business Saturday, going back really almost to the beginning of that, that effort. And so I certainly appreciate that and, and agree with you. Do you think that the COVID experience has caused the consumer to say, I'm more concerned about my community and those people I know in my community than I am necessarily about the lowest price? You know, I'm going to answer that in a couple of different ways. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is more of a corporate answer, and I hope you'll bear with me as I talk to you about this. You know, I told you we did a 12-day sprint, and we got over, you know, 40 and now 100 corporations together to help with Stand for Small um, and to help small businesses. And I bring that up as an example when you ask me that question for this reason only. Imagine in 12 days to get 40 large corporations to agree on something. <laughs> and I say that because this is, I think, needs to be the way forward. The power of collaboration and partnership, um, even though in some cases some of us may be competitors, I think that that's what's going to move us forward. And I use that as the example to answer your question because I think that that's what we're going to need to do is embrace our communities. So COVID-19, probably the biggest and swiftest change in consumer behavior in my life, and I'm an old guy. From that, what permanent changes do you see in fundamental consumer behavior? Do you? Have you identified some yet? some trends that I think have been accelerated, they were already happening. Um, certainly no surprise in terms of the growth of e-commerce and online behavior. And I definitely know and see that and know that, you know, that will be there. And I think we at America Express need to ensure that we are providing our customers with all they need to, you know, seamlessly make purchases online. So that's one I definitely see uh, continuing Another one that I think has been accelerated is just the nature and ways of payments. But I think, you know, you're seeing sort of a growth in terms of contactless payments as, as well. Or you're seeing just changes in terms of automation around B2B payments as well. So I think you're going to see a lot in the, in the overall payment space, both given COVID in terms of sort of helping push um, some of those trends and I think that they will be there long after the virus is certainly gone or hopefully contained. And I also know that we will return to travel. Uh, there are so many of us that have it in our heart and are itching 
um, to get out there, explore and discover again. And I know that many consumers are starting to do that. And I am confident that you will uh, see that as well. And you'll probably see it in new and different ways, uh, new services, new benefits that come from the time that we've spent indoors. But I can guarantee you that desire to explore and, and discover is deep within many of us. And I know we'll be there at American Express with products and services to help those who want to travel have those great experiences. So those are a couple of the trends that I think are either there and been accelerating or, you know, you'll see some differences going forward. So before we close up, I want to ask you one more piece of advice. And this one I'm going to ask you, think of one sentence. What would that advice be, if you could, that you would give to your 21-year-old self? I think it's always being curious. I think curiosity kind of fuels creativity. And then I would always want to make sure even back then that I was asking, what kind of impact do you want to have? Math and magic is about that special combination of analytics and data with sheer creativity, math and magic. And we end each episode with a shout out to the best of both. Now, you're a great student of marketing and business. You know many people. You've seen a lot of people. Who would you say deserves the shout out for the best in analytics, the math side of marketing? That's a somewhat easy one. It's a fellow colleague, Doug Buckminster. He's the president of our Global Consumer Services Group, and he just has an amazing ability to look at a set of numbers, see trends, see gaps, see insights, and then make it happen. It's that applied math. It's, it's bring something to life, take action, make a difference with all of those numbers, insights, and trends. Okay, so let's go to the second one. Who is the person who has the magic? Who gets the shout out for being the greatest magician? Easy, easy, easy one for me, Bob, here. And that would be our creative partner and and a great brand ambassador, Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think his name speaks for, obviously, most people know him for, for Hamilton. And he's just a creative genius on so many levels. His creativity and, you know, he has a strong point of view. And I think his just his brilliance his focus, determination, his love of community. Uh, there's so many things there. I mean, I, it just it's definitely Lynn by far. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Elizabeth, thanks for joining us today. And thanks for sharing your ideas, insights, and experiences. Thanks for having me, Bob. Really appreciate it. Here are a few things I picked up in my conversation with Elizabeth. One, the secret to agile decision-making? Use a small team. When COVID-19 hit, American Express was quick to adapt to customers' needs, which Elizabeth attributes to a lean team. As Elizabeth says, if you want to put your ideas in action quickly, your team should be small enough that you can feed them with one pizza. Two, navigate corporate life through empathy. Elizabeth's father taught her very early to make business personal. At American Express, employees are always referred to as colleagues to foster a culture of empathy and respect. Three, if you have a unique skill set, use it to your advantage. Elizabeth is quick to point out that she's an introvert, a quality that might not seem an obvious fit for a CMO. She says it forces her to prepare well for meetings, plus makes her a great mentor for quieter colleagues. Four, leaders should be both teachers and students. 
As a former high school biology teacher, Elizabeth says it's important to maintain a sense of curiosity and understand that there's a lot to learn from every encounter, even when you're leading the team. I'm Bob Pittman. Thanks for listening. That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to Math and Magic, a production of iHeartRadio. The show is hosted by Bob Pittman. Special thanks to Sue Schillinger for booking and wrangling our wonderful talent, which is no small feat. Nikki Etor for pulling research, Bill Plax and Michael Azar for their recording help, our editor Ryan Murdoch, and of course, Gail, Raul, Eric, Angel, Noel, Mango, and everyone who helped bring this show to your ears. Until next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. 